0: Kia ora and welcome to CIO Leadership Live New Zealand. I'm your host, Cathy O'Sullivan, Editor-in-Chief for APAC for CIO. And I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Brian Graham. Brian is the Chief Information Officer at Sika, and prior to joining the organization, he was ICT and Digital Manager at Kayanga Rora Timberlands. And he also worked for several years for Scion, helping the forestry sector with digital technology adoption. Hello, Brian. How are you going?
1: Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Kathy.
0: Great to great to chat to you again. So, um, can you give us an overview um, uh, about Sika, what your company does, and um, what your team does there?
1: Yeah, perfect. So, Sika um, is an NZX listed uh, fresh produce company. We have a head office based in Tāpaki, um, and we have about eleven sites across the North Island in New Zealand, and we have a couple in um, Australia as well. Um, we predominantly do kiwi fruit. So we, we're about 25 to 30% of the New Zealand kiwi fruit market. Um, but we also do citrus, and lemons, and persimmons and pears, as well as avocados. And we also do some fresh produce, import and export. Um, the business has been around for quite a long time now, about 25-30 years. Um, but it's grown quite dramatically in the last five years through acquisition. So it's gone from kind of a $50 million company to a $350 million company. Um, and it's really on a trajectory to continue to grow to kind of diversify our markets. Um, the team that I lead is predominantly just your day-to-day kind of IT, but also the data and cybersecurity elements of the business. And then anything to do with strategy, kind of where we're going with technology, um, all fall under the mandates of the, the CIO role at Seeker.
0: So you've obviously had a long history um, working in the primary industry sector and, you know, technology is obviously helping um, in a lot of ways. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your approach to transformation and how it's taken shape in your own career?
1: Yeah, sure. I think the, the first thing I would say is that transformation is really hard and it doesn't matter if you're talking about culturally or, you know, from a technology perspective, I think we often es- underestimate how difficult it is to to move a business um, down a pathway of, of change, and and we often talk about the benefits that you get from transformation, but we don't often talk about some of the effects or the impacts of doing that. Um, so generally, my my approach or, or kind of how I've have gone into that is to try and um, you know really understand what we're trying to achieve and and what the value is. Um, I, I've kind of used the, t- the term tool or toy a lot um, over the last five years to say is this something that is actually going to add value to the business um, or not and then to try and figure out you know what what the best approach is to to kind of move forward um, with that change.
0: So what does, um, what does transformation mean for Sika then? Um, how is your digitization program tracking?
1: Yeah, it, it kind of comes in in two phases. The first one is that, um, like a lot of people in primary industry, we're really struggling to get people to work. Um, the, the jobs are not easy. You know, standing in a packhouse um, packing pallets for for twelve hours is 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 really draining, um, and it's it's not particularly well paid work as well. And so we're seeing we're 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 seeing it become increasingly difficult to get people to work in packhouses. So automation is a big big push for us. Um, the ability to um, augment people in a factory with machines has been been part of our, our kind of strategy um, for a while and it's something we will continue to do as the technology be- gets better you know we're able to to kind of do more of that in, in our pack houses so that that's been a, a big push is automation. The second one has been around um, that the ability to, to be data driven in terms of decision making. So, how do I put better information in front of decision makers? Not necessarily to make the decision for them, but just to give them an alternative. So, so we're doing, you know, looking a lot at scenario analysis or, or reporting, um, just to be able to say to people, look, is this is something that maybe you haven't seen? Or, you know, instead of having to wade through 10 pages of information in a report, the top five things are highlighted at the start of that report. So so really the ability to kind of take that, um, the, the questioning out of, of the reporting and the data and just present people with, with, with information that's useful to them. And then the final piece really is around streamlining um, and optimizing data flow. So where people are spending a lot of time manually entering data, or you've got systems that don't necessarily talk to each other, how can we automate that? How can we streamline that? Um, because that takes up a lot of time. And and often we're employing very intelligent people, but we're asking them to do an entry-level data entry job. Um, and so the ability to, to kind of move people's focus from simply data entry to actually the analysis or the insight, which is really where the business gets the value from, um, has been a, been a big push for us as a business as well. So it's those kind of three things.
0: Wow, yeah, a huge program of of change there, and and um, you you've mentioned a lot of you know the the benefits, the upsides of of introducing that technology. but you did mention earlier you know that, that transformation is hard. So you know what are some of I guess the biggest biggest challenges that you're encountering and and how are you avoiding those those roadblocks along the way? I imagine there there can be some fear sometimes when people mention you know, replacing mm-hmm. people in pack houses with automation H- how are you um navigating those
1: yeah you're absolutely right the the technology is almost the easiest part in in any kind of transformation right we we often hear it said and unfortunately i'm going to reiterate it again it's about people um culture and legacy are really really important to us as a business and legacy in particular so so Seeker is fiercely loyal to its people um and so we always try and 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 work with the people involved to kind of to get a sense for how this is going to help them um and and so that that's kind of a, a good and a bad thing because because not everyone wants to change not everyone can always see the benefit to things but I I've seen certainly in my career that the best the best outcome I've seen is where we've been able to work with people to to kind of and bring them on the journey with us. And I, I hate that word, but but you understand what I'm saying. I, I think for me, I've always tried to to approach it by saying, you know, who is my biggest advocate, and then who's my who's my biggest problem, and and to work with both groups because you actually nine times out of ten you you land somewhere in the middle, right? You, you land with a solution that isn't always what you'd expected it to be, but it works for what the business is, and and there's this trade-off between. The the value versus the implementation, and and so working closely with people is, is kind of the the it's it's the the biggest advantage and also the biggest barrier, and it does take a lot of time, and that's what I mean when I say transformation is hard, is because you actually have to spend a lot of time talking with the people who are impacted by, by the change, um, and oftentimes they weren't necessarily involved in the decision making to do the change, so that that's really hard. But I I think it can be successful, and and surely we're definitely seeing seeing success where people, you know, the 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 elements of their role that they don't like have been removed, and the elements of their their role that they do like have, you know, they've got to do more of that, and that's that's kind of been a win-win.
0: Absolutely, that approach of change not just being done to them, but they're actually involved in in the changes and and giving their feedback is crucial, isn't it? Yeah, Um,
1: it really is. And to sorry to to really listen, I think. Oftentimes we, we talk about consultation, but we don't really mean it. Um, we, we spend so, so the executive of, of Seeker spend a lot of time on the floor in the pack houses. In fact, through COVID, some of them were picking up, up shifts to help. Um, you know, it, it really is about working side by side with the people who are impacted, not just sitting in an office and making a decision. I think you learn a lot from spending an hour sitting at someone's computer, actually seeing how they, they use the technology. Um, as opposed to just, you know, listening to a report that's been given to you. So, you know, a lot of consultants, so when we're implementing things, you'll have these workshops that run and they'll kind of glean that and get the information. But often it's it's important, I certainly find an, as, as a senior leader, to to actually follow that up a little bit and actually spend the time one-on-one. It makes a huge difference in terms of understanding
0: So do you like to see transformation then, Brian, as, you know, a project with a deadline and milestones or is your approach to transformation that it's just an ongoing, you know, evolving uh, development program of work within any business?
1: I I think it's both. Um, Certainly, you know, there are projects that I would define as as transformation. For example, if we're putting in a new piece of automation, you know that that's very much a project. Um, uh, I've, I've kind of thought about it like this. You know, some some projects are like a, a butterfly coming out of a cocoon, right? You you have this period of incubation and, and it's released and and there it is. And others of it is more like evolution. It takes time and it's just constantly iterating. And I think those projects are are more like the former. But but the cultural piece, which I think is more important with transformation, is actually an ongoing kind of evolution. I don't think you ever fully reach the end point. and and certainly if you look at what's happening in the software space, it's becoming more like that. You know, we, we're now used to software updates happening once a week or once every fortnight, um, and that's essentially that whole constant transformation. Um, and and I think it's actually really really important. It's pushing it's pushing a lot of businesses, in my experience, because they're not necessarily used to that. You know, we're not always used to having to constantly be relearning things, but but I think that's part of the next generation of our workforce is that um, we are actually gonna have to, to become better at constantly evolving, constantly, you know, this lifelong um learning commitment. Yeah, and an ongoing thing, not, not just once-off.
0: So you you're obviously you know deep into the automation piece um at Sika, just more widely in the primary sector industry. Um do you think there is a role, you know, more broadly for for AI and machinery, machine learning across the sector, along with automation?
1: Yes. So I think it's I think it's actually important to 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 separate those two out. You know, AI and machine learning are not necessarily the same thing. And the the AI piece is probably a little bit newer to to the primary sector, and I, I think it has a real place in that scenario analysis piece. You know, there are a lot of variables in moving. Uh, anything in the primary sector through the value chain, everything from weather to logistics. And so the ability to have an AI that can look at that and offer rapid um, alternatives um, you know, and, and, and alternative scenarios to move something through quickly, I think there's huge benefit in that. And I, I don't think we've really seen the impact of that or we haven't fully understood the opportunity that that will bring. So, so I think that's that's really good outside of all the other benefits that people are talking about with AI. The machine learning piece, I think, is, is a little different in that the, the primary industry does use machine learning a lot already. So, you know, um, you just have to look at forestry and some of the identification and classification that they do, um, you know, in, even in, 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 in horticulture around the modelling of um, forecasting of fruit of predictions. It's already kind of embedded in. Um, it's probably not as widely publicized and and people don't always necessarily associate it as being machine learning, but it has actually been there for quite a long time. And I think that's got huge value for the industry. One of the biggest things we struggle with is forecasting. You know, what's going to happen in the future? Because that that dictates everything from your bank covenants to your insurance, right? So the ability to understand that better and to use more of the machine learning as it improves and gets more accurate and more powerful, um, I think there's a real opportunity there for, for primary sector.
0: And of course, it's even more more difficult to forecast stuff with, with the changing weather that we've had as well and, and the yeah. effect on the, on, on the industry as well in, in many regions. So yeah, a lot, yeah, lots of challenges, but lots of benefits, as you say, too. And um, so Brian, tell us, you know, as CIO, in what ways do you, um, I guess, collaborate and influence CICA and the leadership team there
1: yeah um so so again it comes back to that that being really hard right it, it's been interesting coming in this is the first CIO role that I've had um and and I suppose you are you're seen as the technology person um in a business and, and sometimes that's an interesting relationship even even though um I, I come from a business background not really technology and and, and so you can, you can talk the language and you can have the conversations, but there's not always that view that you, you, you kind of understand it. And so that's, that's a key piece of that relationship is actually really understanding what the business is looking for from technology and, and really showing that you understand the business challenges that you have. What well, one of the big things we deal with is updates. You know, we've, it's a silly little thing about I'm just going to run an update or we need to restart a server or something like that. But. When you fully understand the impact, so you know we've got a midnight shut off, but we're trying to do a, a server upgrade. Obviously, we're not going to do that. Um, but I think in a lot of businesses that I've seen, we still roll through with that change because we don't understand the business context. So my role as CIO is really to engage with with the other members of the, of the senior management team to make sure that I understand where they're at and they understand where where we're at. Um, one of the best things that Seeker does is we have, we have a really good culture to kind of sit um, every afternoon, most afternoons, and have a beer together. So the CEO will, will sit around and we'll, we'll have a conversation. And, and some of those social interactions are actually really, really important. Um, you know, just the, the kind of informal is, is as important as the formal um, to, really to really make sure that you're all on the same page.
0: Now you mentioned earlier you know that some of your execs were actually in the pack houses helping out since covid which which is great and you know covid's obviously had a huge impact on on the way we work and in in many areas of our lives but do you think the role of cio has changed since the pandemic
1: Yeah I, look as i said this is the first cio role i've had so it's a little it's a little difficult for me to answer that but i, I think my my pers- my perspective on that is, is I think it has. I think um the the role of technology within a business has a lot more visibility than it did prior to COVID. Um, you know, I've I've heard it said by a few people that the the biggest driver of digital transformation in the last decade was COVID. Um and so certainly the the role of the CIO has has kind of raised in prominence. The other thing is cybersecurity, you know. Certainly, that's raised the profile of, of technology in the business. So, so I think there's a lot more visibility for the role in the company. Um, but I do also, I think it's getting harder and harder to show business value. And and so the the CIO role is not just about the operations anymore. It's, it's very strategic. Um, you kind of you're seeing a trend for more CIO roles being on on the executive team. Um, you're seeing a trend where you know, there's there's just a lot more involvement from that perspective because it's a it's a strategic, long-term um, kind of role. The other piece is that IT is is becoming more expensive, so it's not just a subset in terms of the budget. It's now a, kind of a bigger part, and so the role is responsible for more than I think it has been in the past. But but that's my that's really my perception. You know, I, I think it depends on who you talk to. Some of them haven't seen a lot of change, but but. Uh, from my perspective is that yes I think it has been
0: now you mentioned the strategic piece there are there any other kind of key attributes you think are key to um, a successful modern day CIO especially when it comes to leadership
1: yeah um I think patience <laughs> you know um it's it's very easy to be reactive um, and you, you really do need to have a cool head um, because you're dealing with the uh, the day-to-day um, operations, in, in terms of you know when something goes down, you you're the person at the end of the, the the line basically. But at the same time, you need to withstand that and look beyond just the current trends into the future, and and that takes that takes a a degree of patience, I think. Um, and yeah, I, I, patience and perseverance. I, I think it's like any any senior leadership role. You know, you are you're not just in the technical detail any, anymore you're increasingly in the, the business and strategy side. And so that does require the long game. it's it's not something that you can just you know fly off the handle. you, you really do need to kind of think about who you are as a person um, and and be looking to to kind of those those values um, you know and, and move beyond that.
0: So just expanding on that, I guess a bit further, you know, how are you creating that in, internal culture then in your team that, you know, really helps people feel like they belong and, you know, that they're serving, you know, a purpose at Sika and, and really, I guess, achieving those personal and professional goals?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's back to what we said a bit earlier about um, spending time in the business. It, it's not just the role of leadership to be doing that. Um you know, we, we we sometimes have joked about IT sitting in the dark in the corner somewhere, right? Um, and and I think that culture has to change for for a range of reasons. And so um, I, I encourage the team to get out and 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 talk with their end users a lot more, to get out onto the orchard or to get out into the packhouse. Um, it's always interesting to me, you know, with a few companies where you walk in and the, the IT person has never been out on the, the you know the operational space, so. In the primary sector, they've never been out to an orchard or they've never been out to the forest. And and I think we're missing something there because, you, you know, you, you need to be integrated in terms of what the company is doing. And, and I think also that exposes you to a range of different personalities. And, um, again, you know, we talk about diversity and different thinking. Um, to me, that's really, really important. So so encouraging the team to do that and, and you kind of see that they get benefit from that. And then obviously, just 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 the normal things. I mean, encouraging that learning piece. Um, everything from training and and throwing resources at, at the team to be able to to really give them a sense of upskilling, that lifelong learning. Um, you've got to actually be deliberate about it. It, it. Culture doesn't just change on its own. You've actually got to you've got to do something that drives that. And and yeah, so we're we're quite deliberate about um, those two things: as engagement and and training.
0: I love that. I love that you encourage your team to get out there and 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 see the packhouses and 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 get out in the orchard. it must make it really real for them you know that what that their part is something bigger than just the it team
1: yeah, that's right yeah it's it's very different talking about a a pack that can do four and a half thousand trays an hour and when you see on the line how much fruit is actually going through it it kind of changes that perspective so when when they hear about the line going down because of an i t issue and You know, you suddenly get a sense of the urgency, um, which you wouldn't necessarily have had if you hadn't stood there next to the person whose problem usually is. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So another key part of, you know, a good team culture is diversity. And you mentioned it there. (laughs) What practical things do you think can be done to attract more people from, you know, diverse backgrounds, diverse ways of thinking into IT?
1: Um. It's a great question. I, I don't know that there's a silver bullet for this. Um, we've, we've been recruiting some roles over the last 12 months and the, the, sh- the problem that I see is that the candidates are just not there. Um, as much as we would like to bring in diversity, it's often very difficult to, to find. Um, I, th- I think since so, so there are to me two things culture again we come back to you need to have a culture that that is accessible to people coming in. Um, if you don't have that, people don't stay, and, and so that that's that's something that that we worked on. We're quite lucky at Sneaker and that in our head office we do have quite a, a diverse um, workforce here, and that's been that's been great. So so people are kind of looked after when they come in, um, but that that's a big piece of the cultural piece. And then I think the um, I'm I'm quite passionate about learning and development, and I think bringing kids through and young people through and showing them um, alternatives and opportunity in, in technology and not just technology for, you know, banking, but technology for primary sector as well. Um, there's a, I have two teenage two teenagers and, you know, they're, they're interested in technology, but they don't always see the career pathway into that. Um, and I think historically, we've kind of brought people through, particularly in the operational space, as kind of help desk, and then we've had them progress through and I, and I think that model's got to change. We've got to show people that that you know there are plenty of opportunities in the sector that it is diverse, and we actually need the diverse thinking. Um, so, so to me, it, it's kind of got to start before a CV lands on my desk. You know, it's it's got a it's got to start a lot earlier in terms of bringing the right people through in, for training.
0: Absolutely. Now you are, um, you know, this is your first CIO role, as, as as you've said earlier. So, what advice would you give to any anyone out there who's aspiring to be a CIO or a IT leader?
1: Yeah. Um, firstly, I would say you know, understand the business. Understand that it's the the more senior you get, the less it's just about the technology. Um, it really is about um, understanding where the business is at, and also the people management and and people people interaction. I spend a lot of my time in meetings, you know, discussing things, um, and so so I think those are two key pieces. Um, the other thing is is, uh, and I would say this to to kind of most senior leaders, but particularly to CIOs, is, is that um, you know you get a lot of feedback, both positive and negative, um, and you have to you have to figure out. Your own value, and and you have to learn to trust your gut. And sometimes, I think, particularly technology people, we like to be black and white, and you just can't be black and white. There's so much grey, and and then you know the the impact of that decision. People, everyone has an opinion about that, and so as a CIO, you need to You need to be a bit more comfortable in in that grey, and um, being able to to make a decision that you believe is right, whether it's going to be right or wrong, and then manage the criticism or feedback after that and take what is valuable from that. You know, not not all the feedback will be correct or valuable, but you would be, it, it's to your detriment if you don't listen to it. So listen to the feedback and learn from it, take what you can. Those would be kind of the the key things I'd say to someone who's aspiring to this.
0: Excellent advice. I love that. And, you know, feedback can often be a gift. As you say, there could be some gems in what, you know, might be perceived as criticism, but there's actually yeah. some some very valuable stuff that's that's coming through in that. Um, finally, then, Brian, you know, we've got a, a busy few months ahead, you know, possibly a change of government, which may impact policy and, and the primary sector there. And you obviously have your digitization program underway. What's important to you in the months ahead?
1: Yeah, for us, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to get through our main harvest. So kiwi fruit is being harvested in a vengeance from February to the end of June. Uh, it's the busiest time of our year, so we're, we're really trying to operate as a 24-7 business to get that all, all done. Um, I think wider than that, we're watching with interest what's happening at a macroeconomic level, um, particularly around inflation, around interest rates, um, and just the impact of that, I think, you know, my two cents is that that there's a this is going to be a tough year um, for people, and and it may roll in a bit longer than than everyone's just, everyone's expecting if you read some of the media stuff, and um, and that's really something that we're keeping an eye on. Um, you know, as a, as a business, we're obviously we're 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 influenced by those things, and so managing that from a longer term perspective of our business, how we respond to that what the impacts of that over the next two to three years and, um, you know, change of governments and all of that as well, if that happens. Um, you know, I think those kinds of things are are what we're, we're paying close attention to um, over the next, you know, six to 12 months as we we wrap up our harvest and look into the next few years.
0: Yeah, it's certainly going to be an interesting time as we navigate these economic headwinds. Brian Graham, Chief Information Officer at SECA, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thanks, Kathy.